0: What's architecture really about? ArcaSpeak is a show that dares to peek under the architectural kimono, exposing what architecture really is, what it is that architects really do, and show you why we are passionate about our chosen profession. I'm Evan Troxell. Join Neil Pan, Cormac Phelan, and me as we have a casual conversation about all things architecture, which includes all the stuff people don't talk about. Think you already know what architecture is really about? Tune in to find out. Today, we're talking about deadlines. Time for some Marcus Speak. We wanted to make an architecture of atmosphere. This proposal was a reaction to the oversaturation of emergent technologies in recent national and world expositions, which has been feeding our insatiable appetite for visual stimulation with an ever greater digital virtuosity. High definition, in our opinion, has become
1: the new orthodoxy. That quote comes from... uh... Liz Diller, uh, and she was speaking specifically about the uh hershorn gallery um, temporary edition that they're doing, which uh, has been labeled the Bloomberg Bubble or even nicknamed the uh the Diller dome um, and what she was speaking about was uh, how we're using um, public space and how public space is perceived both in just the built environment but also how public space is um perceived in the uh in the uh, digital age and um i don't know if anybody else uh had any um thoughts or input on that but um you know let's uh let's let's open it up for some discussion there guys well i
0: th- i think that <laughs> the interesting thing about the way that she was saying that was that she was reading it and because i think it is <laughs> it would be difficult to pull all that out uh on the fly but um it that's that's speak at its root right there, it, and I kind of it kind of leaves everybody a little bit dumbfounded hearing it. But I think if you study it, it actually does make sense. But it, it's one of those things where you really have to take it word for word and break it down
1: um, to see what it really means. I think some of the people that probably were in attendance at the TED talk were a, a little more layman. But for the most part, these were practitioners, academics and things like that, that, you know, typically speak like that, or at least, you know, in their dialogue back and forth with each each other through presentations and, um, you know, books and stuff like that. You know, that's how um, the actual orthodoxy or the, you know, the idea is um, conveyed back and forth. And um, but. You know, my thought is that, you know, the the poor layman that's sitting in there and as she's going through this speech, which was a fantastic speech about a very interesting project. And, you know, being a D.C. local, I'm actually quite excited to go and experience the space when it, you know, when it occurs, because, um, in fact, after this uh, podcast, we're probably going to be heading to downtown and, um, you know, one of our favorite uh Favorite museums to go to is the Hirshhorn, but really um, nice, yeah. But it's just it's the, um, you know the the way that she was trying to convey the idea, you know, especially as you're trying to present it, you know. The, now this again was a TED talk that was presented to you know academics and professionals alike. It wasn't presented to the people of DC to try to convince them that this is a really good project because no. The link that we that I sent you guys yesterday about this particular TED talk and the you know overabundance of Arky speak was really um, it, it came from a a link to the the DC uh, Daily Paper and um, or it's called the Washington City Paper uh, and we can uh, provide a link to that um, to the both the article and that particular TED talk we're referring to but it was. If you read the article that w- accompanied the link, the article was pretty plain spoken. It was just telling people exactly what the project is, why there's possible delays, why it may not open, or, or things like that. You know, um, but when you know you sit down there and you listen to it as a Washington City paper reader, you're not quite sure what she's actually trying to say. Yeah, yeah, I it is something it, that has to be dissected. I
2: think it's a a good example of uh, our tagline in our Twitter feed, which is large, made-up words that architects and designers use to make themselves sound smarter than you.
0: (laughs) She comes across as a very intelligent person. I would
1: have to say that.
0: Yeah. But but, uh,
1: I don't know her personally. (laughs) And 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 let's, let's um, let's not make it as if we're, you know, criticizing her or anything like that, because again, you know, I admire a lot of the work that they do and I admire um, you know, just the simple fact that she could stand up in front of thousands of people and give this speech regardless of, you know, what the content or what words were coming out of her mouth. I mean I I for one have, you know, uh quite a quite a disdain for standing up in front of people and giving presentations, though I do it often. Um, But, uh, you know, I I just think it's the way that, you know, a lot of times we tend to come across, um, you know, sometimes does, you know, we do ourselves a disservice sometimes, you know. And that, I think, is more what we're, uh, you know, what we're talking about is that, you know, I, I often say in the studio, architecture is not as hard as we make it out to be. Architecture is actually, you know, well... For the trained, it's it's an easy profession, um, especially for the you know the people who, as we talked about last week, uh, it's a labor of love, um, you know. And then when you love something as much as we all you know do about our profession and you know in our chosen life, I mean, uh, you know, it gets to be pretty easy. But when we're um, when we're trying to convey what we're doing to you know just the general public, you know, sometimes we go a little overboard and you know give ourselves the overabundance of Archie speak.
0: Yeah. And I, do you think that, 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 that a little bit stems from, you know, the general feeling is that architects are not regarded how they should be, you know, for the amount of work that we have to put in to get our licenses, to get our degrees, to practice, and then all of the liabilities and things that come along with that. I think the general feeling is that architects, don't feel like they have the eye of the public like they should. And so maybe that's like
1: overcompensating for that a little bit. It could be, you know, because um, we're, you know, we tend to put ourselves in the same professional category as doctors and lawyers, both with the Education that we, you know, um, you know, usually five to six years, unless you go on to a doctorate degree, and then our uh, licensing and you know the minimum of three years uh, internship, sometimes even up to ten, depending on your degree. Um, and yeah, I I, th- I think we put a lot of effort into becoming you know the architects and uh, design professionals that we are. But um, and yeah, so I think we kind of feel slighted because you know we. Tend to come out of college, and you know this goes to you know some of the comments that we were you know receiving on our uh, um, on last week's podcast, but it we go, we we don't really come out of college making as much money as we as our professional counterparts do, and so we kind of feel a little slighted um and so yeah I think it's our way of kind of saying you know I don't want to sound like I'm belittling you know my fellow architects, including myself. But, uh, you know, we, we kind of like, you know, look at me, look at me, you know, I really am important. And, you know, I, th- I think we do that unnecessarily because we are important. And, you know, we do provide a service that, um, you know, really everybody needs.
2: Yeah, I think that um, for the most part, I think the general public uh, does regard architects uh, pretty highly. Um, I, I think that's true. Um, as well, I th- we see them portrayed sometimes on TVs and, and movies, yeah, um, they are portrayed, you know, rather high and re- rather respected. I think it's just within the industry, our construction industry, that sometimes we're just seen as a necessary evil. I got to have this architect to draw this up and get this done.
0: Well, I, I think part of the the issue is is not. Because I would almost venture to say that the general public, to the general public, architecture is is for most people an invisible prof- profession, uh, because we provide a service and not a product. In the, for the most part, um, the building industry is seen more as you know the, the contractors who actually deliver the the keys to the building to the thing, um, and so I, that's why I kind of tend to think that mo you know, we're kinda out of sight, out of mind for a lot of people. And so that's probably where some of that stems from of us feeling like we've lost some importance and it and it's our own fault. You
1: know, it totally. Because I mean, you know, back in the day, you know, um back when we had the um cons, you know, and I'm not talking about Lou, I'm more talking about Albert and, you know, um Wright and people like that, you know, we were master builders. We um, one of the comments that I, le- you know, uh, really kind of gravitated towards is how we've basically, through you know, basically litigation and liabilities, have let ourselves be separated from the the term master builders where we used to be. We, you know, I'm sure you guys have all seen uh, the way that drawings used to be back in the day where. You could build a Unity Temple or something with four four sheets of drawings, and that (laughs) Frank Lloyd Wright was out there directing every day exactly how he wanted it to be built. Whereas I just issued a set of uh, drawings for probably something square footage-wise, the same size, if not a little bit larger than a Unity Temple, that had over – you know, 300 sheets right. just of drawings alone. And that's, that's not including the technical speca- specifications that, you know, are all part of the contract documents. And that's and,
0: because of this complete disjointedness between architecture and construction, right? Because we don't trust the contractor to build it the way we've told them because we know that they want to cut the corners and make as much money as they can for the most part. You know, I'm totally generalizing here, but we have to overcompensate with the drawings now to be able to do yes. that. Right. And then we also have to overcompensate with the drawings to COA, right, to cover our butts when it comes (laughs) to litigation because there is so much litigation in this industry.
2: Well, and an example of that uh, back when I was not long after school, you know, we used to take uh, the engineering markups and do those on our drawings, on our architectural drawings. You know, so the sheets would essentially be drafted by us, by the architect. And after some litigation, that uh, essentially were was the engineer's fault uh, in this case. But because we had drafted it and it was on our title block as the architects, we yeah. were pulled into that lawsuit and found libel. Oh, and yeah, so after been... that, it was like, okay, no, Mr. Engineer, <laughs> you have to provide your own drawings on your own title block and we don't touch it anymore. And that was uh, – you know, it was a, a smart move at the time to protect ourselves, but continued the the process of moving us away from being totally involved in, in the construction process and, and the built environment.
1: Well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, that, that sense of giving away the goods because, you know, we, you know... <sighs> You know we we talk about and and this is definitely something that is uh you know future chat for us because uh you know we've had several of our you know architecture friends and also through the comments and stuff have talked about oh you guys need to talk about you know the architect's role through construction administration which for me is probably as important of a role if not more in my day-to-day life um as it seems like it is to, you know, other people. side, so I really want to, you know, delve into that a little bit later. But um, you're right. I mean, you know, essentially, what we're doing is creating a set of documents that is the cover your, you know, your butt, um, a sense of let's try to stay out of litigation as much as possible. So let's you know, have this built in redundancy in our drawings that you know, well, you know, if it's not here, it's going to be here, 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 and here, you know. So they can't tell me that that door isn't covered, you know. Right. And you're just like, wow, uh, that's well, a little too much.
2: And, and, uh, you know, even I think the whole construction administration, even down to my level when I'm doing uh, uh, remodels, uh, is is important because as a, an example my project that's under construction right now um i'm not i wasn't hired to do any ca and wasn't consulted on anything and the stucco guy decided that um he wanted to do different trims on the house so he changed the trims and then You know, the client didn't uh, consult with me or didn't want uh, my input on color selection or anything like that. And so they chose a color that is not necessarily the most, what would maybe bring this house and carry it off well. And uh, so here we started with a a really interesting project. And then because I wasn't able to be involved in the construction administration process, it's turning out to be something a little different than I, I think that I hoped for and, and uh, you know, hopefully the, what the client was expecting. Now, they're, they're making these decisions, so I guess they're happy with it, but uh, that's where the best intentions of a good design really falls down because the architect wasn't involved through that process.
0: Yeah, and that that is it's their prerogative, which is you know that's a really hard thing for us to deal with, you know, and that you know make no bones about it. I as a designer myself, it's that's one of the toughest things. Um, but I would say that you know it's their money; it's it's probably the most money they've ever spent in their life, and it and it is it needs to be what they want. And honestly, if we don't want that to happen, then you, because I think we'd probably all agree at one time or another, clients are the worst, right? Um, so don't have a client and and one of the comments on our site was, Take a look at what Jonathan Siegel is doing down in San Diego, and he's doing um some amazing architect developer work, and he is his own client and and that's honestly if 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 people won't stop talking about how clients are the worst um if if they want to stop talking about that, they need to become their own clients, and they need to take retake the role of design build delivery into their own hands and take all that risk and do it themselves and and it's that guy is doing some amazing work and I've looked into his courses that he offers and it's cool stuff um, and he's doing big commercial projects now um, but he also assumes all that risk and he, and he's running the show from drawing to keys at the end.
2: And that's what maybe uh, we need to get back to a little bit, uh, I would this, love this to. entire profession, yeah. uh, because if we don't, I mean, the 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 onset of BIM, uh, and, and we, we will probably get into that in, uh, a little more in depth in another episode, but the, the whole concept uh, is one where on larger buildings, where the architect is just uh, being completely taken out of the equation to a certain extent. You've got the large, larger construction firms kind of being the the BIM master, and we're just a piece of that. And if we're not careful, we're going to get completely cut out of the process. We'll, we'll, well become irrelevant.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I, I think in a way, though, um, you, I mean, you, I don't know if I want to say you guys are, like, kind of giving up the farm, but – um, i mean when you if you aren't able to do the architect as developer or you know spec homing and things like that, what you need to do is ensure that that particular service is conveyed to the client as probably the most important phase of the whole design process. As the actual sitting down and drawing the pretty pictures or the construction documents that, you know, to administer this, prop, you know, properly, right? Um, you need to actually be involved throughout the whole process and and be there for construction administration
0: and involve uh, the client I mean,
1: in that entire process. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. I mean, I, I you know the pro the school project that I have right now with the. Um, basically connecting two existing um, historic buildings together. Uh, I am probably more involved than the construction manager in trying to ensure that the day-to-day scheduling of both the trades that the CM is supposed to trade, um, to schedule, I, I'm equally valuable in that process of, of keeping it moving and keeping it going. Because of the, I guess, in a way, in this particular case, it's the complexity of the, you know, historic, you know, the historic component and how we're connecting these new buildings and all the different unforeseen conditions and stuff like that. But um, it was interesting that, you know, as we were leaving the site, you know, the my um, uh, project architect, who's uh, a recent graduate, she was walking off the site and she's like, wow, you know, I didn't realize that there was so much management in architecture. Mm and there is, I mean, that's essentially all we really are, you know, whether it's the management of the design, the management of the documents, management of the contracts. I mean, we are the managers of this particular project. And once we allow ourselves or, you know, don't convey to the client that, you know, that particular management, um, you know, administration is um, taken out, you know, if we can't convey to them that they need us, then you know we end up with the uh, stucco guy changing the trims and you know um, cha- you know changing the colors and things like that you know and getting away from the design as it was seen um, and and you know and even in the case where it's like well you know we made the change because it was more cost effective well you know you can make that change as more cost effective but if you allowed me. Um, you know, access to that process. Then I would say I would I could have told you that we could keep this detail or this design or this color or whatever, and still save you money um, by basically just reassessing the way we were doing something. You know, and, and, and those are the things that I you know because you guys will you know hear this preached you know on and on and on about you know construction administration because it's one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> Well,
2: I think you bring up a good point and and maybe in future projects for myself, it's it's more of a communication problem for me to communicate to the client that not only am I essential. I mean, you, you're talking to me in the first place because you think you need uh, a design professional uh, exactly. to help you. And, and for me to communicate, not only am I important here, but I'm important towards the end at the process through the construction and as your resource. Uh, not only just for the design and the construction drawings and the permitting process, but the construction process as well. And I think for smaller remodels, sometimes kitchens and uh, small additions, um, that that sometimes that's lost because the client begins to figure out what they think they need. Um, and yet they then go and make some decisions that maybe are not in their best interest or that they, you know, because they're, they're looking maybe at one thing and they're not looking at the whole. And because you're designing the whole uh the whole product that uh you know you really need to be involved in that, and so you know really it's a communication to to let them know that this part is just as important as the beginning and uh and and there's not an option here you can't just cut out construction administration and save a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars here uh in my portion of the contract because there's value there, and that value needs to be carried through from beginning to end or to, like you just said, having to, to hear deliver the keys yeah. we're done. So,
0: well, this is cool stuff. I, I wanted to take a second here and thank everybody who did comment on our first episode. We were, we were pretty blown away. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, yes. and so just so everybody knows, um, where, where the comments are is if you go to Arca speak podcast.com and, uh, if you click on the episodes link at the top, that's where the list of our episodes is. And under each episode, there are comments. And so a couple of um, really thought-provoking comments, one by Ahsan and who is a former student of mine at Cal Poly. And uh, thank you so much for, for that comment. I think uh, all of these are worth reading. If, if you guys want to go back and catch up so that you can follow along with us, um, those comments are gold. Um, Ken, Ken Munson is the guy who was talking about Jonathan Siegel. Um, and then we, we, we just had some really good comments on there. And so we, we really appreciate it. And we love how the conversation continues throughout the weeks as, as we're working on and, this.
2: And absolutely. And don't forget our, um, our Twitter feed as well. You can always reach us there and that's, uh, Archespeak, which is A-R-C-H-I-S-P-K and follow us there on Twitter. Uh, and that's, that's another good way.
1: Yeah, because the, yeah, the dialogue definitely is, you know, something that we like the interaction, um, you know, both through comments and through t- uh, Twitter uh, banter, because that act- actually helps us, you know, think about what's the, you know, the next thing to talk about. And, yeah. you know, just let, ev- you know, let us know that everybody else is kind of feeling the same way we are. <laughs> Absolutely. yeah and, and please, please
0: comment. Um, We we would love to know what you want to hear about. We'd also love to know what you think about what was said. And um, so when Uh, we're going through these as well, you know, if there's things that we bring up like the TED Talks that we started off with, I'm going to put links to those in the show notes. And so if you guys go to the page for the episode, um, that's where you can find links to the things that we're talking about during the episode.
2: And and don't forget uh we appreciate the all the comments as, as well on iTunes as well. That that that's oh, yeah. a big uh, big plus and uh and helps, that really the helps podcast so, reach.
0: Yeah. So if, if if you guys can tell other people about the show and, and we'd love to to get more comments on iTunes about uh about how we're doing.
2: Well so, that brings up by the what this week we wanted to, to touch on something that's uh we deal with, uh, that's Cormac's life, apparently, is, is deadlines. <laughs> how he lives his life.
1: <laughs> it's, it's how I live my life, too, I will say. As I, as I say, I don't really live in linear time in the same way of, oh, it's 11 o'clock, it's, you know, oh, it's uh, three days from my next deadline or my next um, exactly. milestone or my next uh, submission deadline. Um, or, you know, so so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and for those of you who are in school...
0: I mean, school is deadlines too, right? You know, you've got, I was in the quarter system, 10-week quarters. You got five weeks till midterm. You've got a test here. You've got a test there. You've got a big project due at the end. It only gets worse when you get into the profession. It's absolutely true. Oh, but
2: but the better part is you're actually being paid for it. So you can actually afford the beer.
0: <laughs> really?
2: <laughs> I don't know. Were you being paid in, to sit in design studio half the night? <laughs> I wasn't. No, but actually that, that brings up something I wanted to talk about for for uh, to start this conversation off on that, which also applies very well to all the students is, you know, take whatever time estimate you think it's going to take you to do whatever task it might be and just multiply by three because that's the time it'll actually take you to get it done.
0: Yeah. That's pretty realistic. I I've always heard times two and it never works out. So no, it never does
2: go no. to the next so, level. I,
1: yeah. Yeah. I've actually heard the, the times three, you know, and, and what that actually, you know, they I mean the talk about the deadlines and, and the time management, um, you know, speaks to what we were already talking about, you know, earlier in the podcast about, you know, management of things and, and, Building that that extra time into something, you know, if if you're able to, um, with uh, these, you know, I need this done now, or I need to get this uh, at that time, kind of uh, mentality that we live in. What it does is it, you know. It gives you time to double check things, go over things, make sure you've crossed your, you know, Ts and dotted your I's to ensure that everything's there so that some of the pitfalls of construction management and things like that, you know, don't really happen and that, you know, your um that the the deadlines can be met and that, you know, things are that do become a little bit more realistic. Um you know, I, I, it was interesting as reading a couple of comments and I even went back to a couple of the uh, comments on some of the things that, you know, Bob's posted on his, his site and how students, you know, the, the, you know, they're starting to get scared. It's like, Oh my God. And I didn't really realize that you know, the profession was like this and, you know, I don't necessarily think that we're trying to scare anybody away. Mm-hmm. Um, We just want to really, you know, for the student listeners, you know, really prepare them for, you know, the actuality of the profession because, you know, even that comment that, you know, um, my uh, project architect made, she's like, you know, I didn't realize that there was so much management and architecture. These are things that school doesn't really necessarily prepare us for in that we really, you know, um, laying it out on the line like we do kind of lets people know that, you know there's a lot more than people are telling you about architecture um not all good, not all bad, but it's just part of the life it's It's, it's
0: really complex, I think you know what and what you're talking about is is time management uh, being able to manage your time and what you do, but then also coordinate that across all these different disciplines, and it really is complex, and so you have exactly. to get good at at complexity
1: exactly you know think about you know um the architect as juggler, you know, it's, uh, you know, because not only do you have just probably a single project that you're working on that you're not only, you know, doing the design work or administering things, you know, but you're also doing something that's under construction. So you're juggling it there, you know, and then you're thinking you, when you sit back, you're like, oh my God, I've got this deadline coming up and how do I actually achieve it when I've got all this other stuff going on, you know, and, you know, through management, we actually tend to do that. Um, so Neil, uh, you know, let, let's start hearing some of those, you know, the hot buttons because uh, you know I know this was a this is something that's definitely near and dear to your heart.
2: Well, I have you know one of the things is when you talk about deadlines, um, in Cormac, you just mentioned it. How often does it happen that the deadline is met, but all of the things that you you just said about checking the drawings, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and coordinating with the consultants, how much of that doesn't often happen because you're scrambling just to get the drawings done to hit the deadline and all of that other stuff doesn't happen. You know, that that's certainly very frustrating and something that falls into the time management but you know sometimes that just goes away and doesn't happen <laughs> yeah and, we'll, we'll and do just, it while it's in plan check that's always a fun one
0: as complete opposition to the whole deadlines argument is what what goes around in in my little circle is it takes whatever it takes to get it done it just
2: takes as long
0: it, as it takes exactly
2: yeah
1: well so so you know
2: um, one key yeah i, well, I was going to say one thing that especially as as a student if you're a student listening Um, this probably applies maybe a little bit more because you're spending time doing mostly design for your projects. Um, but even in the profession that this is true too, but you know, one, one key to hitting a deadline is knowing when to stop designing. It's like I I have to get my drawings done and, you know, whatever else for my my presentation ready. Um, You 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 have to know when it's time to stop designing and and finish a project. And that's as much of a key when you're an architect uh, or wanting to become one and probably in a lot of different professions as well is when to stop and move forward so that you can get your deadline.
1: And, And, you know. And sometimes it's, uh, um, equally as important as convincing the client that it's time to stop designing and move on to the next phase. Yeah, that's hard. (laughs) Um, well, you know, rather than, you know, in, um, uh, I, I don't necessarily think that we're giving them, you know, the negatives of all of this, but, um, you know, what are some of the things that you guys do to, um, to handle deadlines? Um, I know, you know, that I've got my own, you know, kind of um, tedious, almost checklist process that I have for, um, how I go about each project as it goes through the, you know, schematic design phase all the way through, um, permitting, um, on into CA. And then I've got a different, you know, set of rules that I, you know, have set for myself on how I manage, you know, stuff like that. But I'd be interested to hear how you guys, um, deal with your, um, your typical deadlines. And it most likely, you know, we're, we're probably on the same, you know, sheet of things.
0: Well I you know from my experience because i'm I'm usually early in on the the whole process for the building and so there's several you know there's all these user group meetings there's you know discovery period where you're trying to figure out exactly what the problem is before you can solve it um, and then you go into design and then you've got schematic design due and then design development and um multiple schemes and there's all of these things that like you said architect is juggler right you're trying to figure out the path that this thing's going to take and it's a truly organic non-linear process um that lives within a very linear world of schedule and um you know the number one thing that i can say that you need to hit a deadline is absolute commitment and i I know that people are going to say, you know, show me the checklist. Tell me what project management software you use. Um, you know, honestly, I don't think any of that stuff matters. What matters is your ability to get in the zone and be fully committed to the project until it's done. And, and I can honestly tell you that I did not do one all nighter when I was in school and I've done more now that I'm out at, But, but we should never have to do that. Um, we should be, we should be so good managing our own time that we don't have to do that. Otherwise it's just a,
1: and it often is a very unrealistic deadline, you know? Right. Well, you know, I, we had this, uh, saying when I was in the army and, you know, honestly it's carried over to this profession and as ridiculous as this, as this sounds, um, it's the, uh, it's prior planning prevents piss poor performance. (laughs) <laughs> um, and what, what that's meant to me in the, you know, profession is, you know, and, and, you know, Evan, you've got this, uh, as well, you know, working with public schools, public schools know when they want, when they're going to have funding, when they are going to be able to start construction and when they need that construction to end. Yeah. So what that does is that tells me, um, that understanding the process To get to the point of they want to start construction at the, you know, right at the summer of the end of a particular school year. Say, for instance, I've got a a project that's actually going to start um, at the end of this school year. Um, So, what I did was, you know, rewind back to when we were awarded the project and said, okay, they want to start construction in June of 13. They want to be done with the construction no later than August of 15. And how do I go about, you know, orchestrating the whole, you know, ensemble of engineers and, and, you know, surveys, testings and all that other stuff. And So what I end up doing, you know, what I typically do for, you know, approaching my deadlines is, you know, cartooning it out. Um, uh, you know, sit down with a schedule of what it's going to take for me to get to um you know, the permits and everything else ready to go, bid and everything, at June of 13, um, sit down with a calendar and go through and say, okay, here's where I established my deadlines, you know, through schematic design. For me to make my deadlines, I've got to have be done with schematic design here. I've got to be done with design development here. I've got to have sign off and ready to go with my construction documents so that, you know, I will hit my Permit date and submit for permits. I know that permits typically take, you know, three to six months, depending on the jurisdiction that I'm dealing with. So, you know, I need to at least have my permit set here. And then, you know, with uh, working with uh, school systems, um, which is the bulk of the work that, you know, the firm I work with uh, does. You know, we've got uh, state submissions for funding and things like that that we've got to hit. And, you know, it's just this layer upon layer of things. And, you know, it's that it's back to that juggling it to make sure that we can, you know, detail it out. So, you know, just like if you're, you know, mapping out a comic book, which I currently seem to be doing, um, it's cartooning it out and seeing the process in my head. And then as you said, Evan, just, you know... Bearing down and, and, and getting it done because I know what I have to do. Yeah.
2: I think cartooning uh, is, is a good metaphor to use because trying to cartoon out a set um, and just understand what drawings you need to do. Right. And this can apply even in school. You know, if you're doing a design project and you get to the, uh, or while during the early part of the process, you have to determine what are your deliverables essentially going to be. And You can use that information to kind of figure out, okay, how many hours is it going to take and how many people am I going to need to do it? Uh, Because I know one of the challenges is when doing a project is you can't just throw bodies at it towards the end. And, right. and try and make right. up time. Uh, that rarely works and it is, is tough to do. So unless you're in a small office, uh, you know, maybe two or three people, then everybody can jump in and try and slam something out in the last few days. Uh, but in most firms and most types of projects that doesn't work very well. So cartooning out a set, knowing what your deliverables are, going back and like Cormac said, having that schedule laid out. And you could even almost do that in school. Uh, but I think one of the interesting things about trying or, you know, laying out your schedule is that when the client makes changes or the municipality changes something and there's additional work added or, or maybe even taken away, uh, one key is to make sure you keep updating that schedule throughout the process. Uh, and and if something changes to modify that schedule, communication with the client, communication with the office, you yeah, know, the, the, team. The, yeah. the team to know, OK, well, we just made this change. How much longer is it going to take us to do this or what time? Of, wh- how does that affect the schedule and the budget? And you've got to really go back to the client and let them know, especially if it's something coming from them that, uh, okay, this is going to take us two more weeks. Well, there's money involved here and, you know, whether or not you can get paid for it, but certainly having your client understand the schedule. Um, I know when I'm talking to clients and I try and be very broad with the schedule on a remodel, you know, okay, one month here, one month for this, one month for that, you'll be about here by this point, you know, to give them the perspective as well so that you don't get unrealistic deadlines or deadlines that your client is expecting and that it just honestly can't happen. If they're expecting, okay, submit for permit and five days later they have a permit in hand, well, sometimes that can happen but not likely to happen. So you have to really accept that expectation for your client as well as your office and your project team so that everybody knows what the schedule is. And, you know, if there's changes, it's vital to let everybody know what effect is that going to have? Cause everybody, otherwise everybody's just working in the dark.
0: Yep. So, so have you guys noticed this? Um, I'm sure you have, um, the closer the deadline gets to actuality, the harder everybody works right oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um
1: well i go ahead <laughs> i was gonna say i think that uh that that is a total um four or five podcast discussion about <laughs> architects as a procrastinator and how we've mastered the art of procrastination and i don't necessarily think it's you know in the way of you know well we intended to just kind of like you know Wait and wait and wait, and then do it. it's just you know we're like, well, you know this one that deadline is you know six months out, but I've got this, 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 and this, so you're spending so much time and effort on the tasks that need immediate attention that you know Mr. Six months away now is two months away, and you're like, oh, yeah crap." Yep. Well that's why I think uh it's important to break
2: down some of those bigger timelines. If it's 6 months out, you really need to break that down into several weeks or months um, of chunks so that you get these little mini deadlines so that you can kind of uh, uh you know c- uh, keep off Mr. Uh, procrastination and and stay on track as best you can. Um uh, because nobody likes uh that end and Evan you mentioned de- uh overnight or uh, all-nighters. And I, I think I did one in college because I wanted to see what it was like. <laughs> and, and I never did it again because I was a complete zombie the next day. Yeah. And, and In fact, I even had a second year design professor who was also an a architectural history professor. Uh, he told us in, in, in his history class one time, he said, you know, I don't want you guys, or I, I think it was in design lab. He's like, I don't want you guys pulling all-nighters. Don't do it in my class. He said, Go home, get at least four hours a night, because otherwise you've wasted a day. Yeah. Uh, or maybe two, um, and they're just not worth it. So anyone in college, I'm telling you now, go no home, wonder. get your four hours of sleep. I honestly what I did, and this this worked really well for me, is I would leave lab at I don't know, five, six in the afternoon, I'd come home, I'd eat dinner, and I would take a short nap. You know, maybe it was fifteen minutes or an hour. And I'd get back up at 8, 8.30, 9 o'clock, head back to class, and would work in lab from 9 to, say, midnight, 1 o'clock, three, four more hours on on my project. And then I'd go home and get four or five hours of sleep and then come back the next morning at 8 and hit it again.
1: So you're saying that you didn't move a sleeper sofa into the studio like I did. <laughs> you didn't sleep under the drafting table? I, you know, yeah, no, yeah,
2: I, 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 I did. didn't. I tried to maintain some semblance of, of, of real life. Um, and maybe that had something to do with, I spent three years in junior college. So by the time I hit, uh, hit Cal Poly, uh, in San Luis Obispo, where I graduated from, uh, I was already, you know, what, 21, 22 years old. So I wasn't the 18 year old kid coming out of high school, uh, that, uh, kind of did some crazy things. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I can honestly say that, you know, um, it, it, it is all about planning it out ahead of time. And, having a full commitment from everybody on your team, because I I have to say a couple of the times that I've had to stay overnight, it's, it's, it wasn't because of my schedule. It was because I had to pick up the slack of somebody else. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that, that is just disgruntling, you know, that it doesn't make anything good. And, and it's not a safe thing either. What, like what you're talking about, Neil, when, when you're a zombie the next day, um, your attitude is going to be well known amongst everybody around you. Um, if you have to drive, it's going to be a dangerous thing. I mean, when I was in school, I know people who drove off the road because they fell asleep in their car, mm, um, wow. drove into the center divider so on the sweet. freeway, spun around in a rainstorm because they fell asleep. I mean, that that happened you know, once a quarter. There was somebody getting in a major accident because they just weren't sleeping, and, and, and it's not good for anybody. So you're right. You've got to get some sleep. And if you're not going to finish, then then maybe you're just – you have to pick your points where – in the project where maybe someone isn't going to look so hard and, and
1: you focus on the stuff where they are going to look, you know? Or, you know, and then that also, you know, leads into the, you know, if you're not going to finish, it's okay to be truthful and honest with your client and let them know that. But let them know in advance in enough time so that they can actually react and say, okay, well, you know – because the, say, you know, if you're running to the end of the deadline, as we're, you know, mentioning that everybody seems to, you know, kind of wait to the very last minute. But let your, you know, let your clients know that, you know, hey, this is going to actually take, you know, another two, three weeks, but we want to make sure that it happens. Um you know, it, it's that open communication and it's even an open communication with the, you know, your team members saying, hey, you know, I understand that, you know, you got to go home and see your kids and stuff. But, you know, if you could, if you stay just a couple more hours and I stay a couple more hours, that would be better than um, both of us having to stay, you know, two days from now all night long and not getting a chance to see anybody. Right. You know, because, um, yeah, you know, you're going to have all of those, you know, this you know, disgruntled causing, you know, frank conversations with your studio, um, your studio mates uh, saying, you know, we've got to get this done and, you know, when and when and why we have to get it done. So, you know, it's the extra efforts.
0: I am often surprised when when we do go in those rare circumstances to a client and say, can we have more time to accomplish this task? The answer is almost always yes, because they do get it. You know, especially yeah. if you've been involving them and they know how much work and how difficult it is, or or how much time it's taking to get through this particular phase, um, they're oh. often very understanding.
1: Or in that um, even rarer occasion when it's the uh, client who's actually caused the uh, changes that are now making you work <laughs> a little bit longer. So rare. Yeah, <laughs> re- rarely ever happens. Yeah.
2: Don't expect any more money for that extra time, though, Evan. <laughs>
1: No, no. Absolutely <laughs> no, not.
2: No, no. <laughs> okay. Well, I I want to I want to ask you guys something because I know when I uh was in college, uh, there were lots of times where I worked uh, you know, weekends and I had friends going out and they would go to different events or a concert or come on Neil, let's go do this. Uh, ah, you know, guys, I can't. I got to finish this project. And I missed out on a lot of things. And you know, maybe that was okay when I was younger. Um, but now, uh, you know, with a family and everything, um, you know, fam- family's more, life is more important. I, I, and I guess maybe after 20 plus years in this industry that uh, I've got a little bit of different perspective on, on life in general, I suppose. But, um, you know, sometimes it just, I, I don't care. It's like, I don't care about the deadline. And, um, I, it's like, you know, no, I'm going to go home and I'm going to visit the family or I, you know, I'm going to go to bed. I'm not going to go back uh, and work.
0: You have to give yourself permission to do that. And, and I think it comes down to how, how you want to live your life. And, and I totally get that. And I feel, I feel like that a lot too. It's like, well, you know, I deserve to have a life too. I'm, I've put in my time. I get paid for that time. I'm not getting paid for all this extra time. Um, And, and at some point you do have to say, you know, I'm going to take my time and, and you're right. The family is super important. And when I was in school, I did not have a life at all for five years. Not at all. I didn't do anything except school.
2: I I did a few, I did a few things probably, but I mean, but I think what's, I guess maybe part of the, in the last almost eight years now, my son's going to be eight this summer. What I've come to realize is that as the, as I notice my kids growing up so quickly, yeah, it's like, oh, it's crazy. you know, should I go into the office today or should I take my kid to the park and let's go ride a bike? Yeah. You know, because there's only going to be so many days he's, he's going to be six or seven years old. And those are real precious moments, uh, for, for him. Yep and And I have to realize that and say, "You know i I'm, I'm sorry, I just can't do that uh, I can't I, and and that's not to say I don't work hard when I'm at work um, but and maybe I'll work a little bit more than my forty hours a week, um but doing eighty or ninety hours and, and not seeing anybody or missing out on my son's uh or my kids' uh, school play or volunteering in their class. Uh, sometimes those things it, it just become more important.
0: Well, and if anybody wants to get a good idea of what it's like, um, because, you know, I, I think that we all want to be the best architect we can be, right? We want the projects to be as as great as they possibly can, and we always want to take what we've learned and apply it to the next one and get better and better and better. Um, and I could easily see myself slipping into the the work is the most important thing kind of a mode um, above family, above everything else, because I want the work to be that good, but at the same time I don't I don't want to be that kind of dad I don't want to be that kind of husband um, and if anybody wants to get a really good idea of what it's like to go down that path there's a couple of movies that you can look at on Netflix um, one of them is My Father the Architect which is the story about Louis Kahn that was made by his son, and then the other one is trying to think of the name i think it's called um my father the genius i'll look it up and i'll put it in the show notes but it's about glenn smalls who uh, another architect who taught at sci for many years and both of these are just heartbreaking stories by their children their documentaries by their children basically showing like the work was amazing at this crazy expense which is i never knew my father
1: um and and it's and it is totally heartbreaking well, then there's the counterpoint movie, and it was a documentary by um about caltrava and What was interesting about that is he would totally immerse himself in these projects um and I think this was before we had children and it was just um my wife and I we went to this um uh, actually we had one child um and uh you know. I always have these, you know, pie in the sky dreams. Ah, oh, I'm going to be the next, you know, in architecture record or this or that, you know. Um, my projects are going to be great. And we went and we watched this movie and, you know, he immersed himself in these, um, all of his projects. But the thing that I found most interesting about it was he actually travels with his family. Oh, yeah, so yeah. family's, you know, not too far away. And, you know, so what was interesting about that is like my own personal experience is – yeah i will find myself sometimes spending a boatload of hours you know per week on a project um but i've got this interesting system that i do where you know I take my oldest son to, um, to school every day. Um, so I get to see him, you know, cause, you know, especially as, as you said, Neil, you know, they grow up so fast. I mean, I can't believe that I've got a 12, you know, going on to be a teenager. Um, you know, how quickly he's, you know, now, you know, <laughs> acting and, you know, uh, acting like the teenager that he's going to become. Um, but I get, you know, the opportunity to take him to school every day. Um, and, um, so I'm in, in the office early every morning. Um, and then I come home normal, you know, normal time and leave the office at, you know, um, five thirty there, no later than six. I get to, you know, hang out and spend time with my family, you know, eat dinner with them, uh, do the things like, you know, go into the comic book shop and all that other stuff, whatever, you know, we've got going on. And then, um, when they go to sleep, then it's game time for me. You know, I log in, you know, from home or, you know, I, I I only live 12 minutes away from work or I'll, you know, turn around and drive to work and just, you know, work till I, you know, basically, you know, can't keep my eyes open anymore and then um, crash out and do it all over again. Um, but what I've done is I've, you know, I guess in a way sacrificed my own sanity for what's important in my life, which is, you know, my kids and my wife and, you know, making sure that they're as equally, you know, tended to as my profession. So I, I have made, you know, an extraordinary concerted effort to, um, you know, to make the family work life balance, um, you know, pretty successful, you know, and if it's at, the sacrifice of a little of, of a few hours sleep or I don't get to watch Spartacus until it's on, on demand or something like that, you know, so be it. But, you know, I'm never going to have, uh, this, God, I wish my dad was there kind of, um, feeling when I, when my kids grow up, because you're right. Uh, Evan the watching, um, my architect was just like, wow, you know, this kid, you know, never really knew. I mean, he knew he was loved, but, he never knew his father. Um, but, you know, that also goes into a little bit different because, you know, his father was living a double life anyway. <laughs> Maybe even a triple life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yes. Triple. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. And, and, and I think the, the reason, one of the reasons you, all three of us, have talked about even doing this podcast was to kind of let people know that, you know, there is the ability to have this life, you know, this work life balance. Um, in that, you know, um, if you consider them separate, then that's typically what's going to end up making um, making it hurt worse. Is because uh, you you know you're going to be dedicating your time to one thing or the other. But if you you know if you're able to successfully merge the two together then, you know, it's great. And sometimes I'll just take, you know, my boys in to work with me, you know, um, and just let them hang with me, you know, either through the day or, you know, if I go back at night, you know, I'll take them with me. So, you know, they know that, yeah, daddy's got to do some work, but work's not more important than them. Yeah. I've done the same Absolutely. thing. And, and it's, it's cool because it's, it's
0: one of those offices where there's plenty of stuff for them to mess around with. You know? <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty fun.
2: Well, you know, one of the things that uh, we haven't talked about with deadlines is when you hit that deadline, and and uh, I know, like uh, when it's happened for me, you know, you, you, you orchestrate this giant project, um, and you and you hit the deadline, you get this great feeling like you're the hero, (laughs) Uh, you know, (laughs) it's like, yes, it's, it's come together. And, uh, it's a great feeling, very satisfying feeling. And so it's, uh, it's not all doom and gloom, uh, as we've been kind of a little hinting at all the way through in the challenges, but when you do it successfully, uh, at that one time in your life, uh, you feel like a hero. And
0: I, no, I feel like, like that is the One of the, one of the highest moments in the the path is when you are, when you are completely dedicated to accomplishing that goal, you've got your nose to the grindstone and you're, you're in that zone and then you accomplish it because, you know, you, you did the proper planning or, or you just got through it or, or whatever it was. But that's the night that I can't sleep is, is when it, that rush comes like, yes, I did it. I pulled this thing off. Um, and and there is it's like there's a lot of adrenaline associated with with that um deadline and that submittal.
1: It's that uh for me it's that sweet baby Jesus, it's done. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> On to the next project, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or or it's you got the uh construction, you know, you have got the documents out to bid and you know, it's just like oh big weight is lifted off your shoulders and, and then it's you like, gotta build
2: it. That reminds that reminds me of a time I was in, when I was in college, and I don't know how many units I was carrying and and what it, what all the details were, but it was after the crit. I came home middle of the day or late in the day, and I was just completely exhausted. And my mother called me, and so I'm sitting there on the couch, and and this and before we all had cell phones, you know, and I'm talking on the phone. And suddenly I hear her saying, Neil, Neil, Neil. And I, I kind of wake <laughs> up and I'm like, Huh? What? Oh, I literally fell asleep talking to her on the phone and I, I just kind of said, Mom, I, I gotta go lay down. <laughs> you know that that feeling that you're just so exhausted that you're completely spent uh because you've given all uh all you had to a project. Um and this was probably more in school, but uh, it It was just kind of a funny moment that's awesome
0: well i I agree that the you know I think one of the key components to working really hard and working on these deadlines is that you that you have your your personal time or your 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 play time or whatever it is you know that that gives your your life a little bit of balance so um I think that's another topic for another day but um it's it's a huge part of working in this in this business is is being able to completely leave work at work if at all possible.
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, so I, I've I, never seen
0: you. Never seen it. <laughs> 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 I'm taking my kids to a trampoline house today. Have you guys heard about those things? It's a it's a yeah. warehouse where the, yes. the entire yep. floor and the walls are covered in trampolines, and it was. Uh, one of my boys' birthday yesterday, so we're gonna go. I'm gonna go jiggle their bodies for for a couple hours.
1: We're gonna probably go hang out with uh, Van Gogh and Monet for a little while. Nice, a little culture. Yeah, a little bit. That's we're good.
2: we're going for culture of a different type. I think we're gonna go to the comic book shop today. So we need Cormac, to talk about, about this. Yeah, we need
0: to talk about this because you know I think uh I have a couple kids who are. I did some Christmas presents uh that were comic based so we're, this is going to have to be a future topic as well.
1: Well, absolutely. And then uh, you know, I, I can talk about my uh my current project too.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, fun.
1: Cool. Sounds good.
0: Well, let's wrap this up. Um again, everybody can go check out the the links from the show at com, and you can follow us on Twitter at ArcusPeak, archispk and if you guys can leave us comments and ratings on iTunes, that would be great. Please subscribe to the show so it automatically shows up every time that it comes out. You don't have to do any work that way. And uh, you can
2: follow me on Twitter. I'm at etroxel, E-T-R-O-X-E-L. And you can find me at, uh, on Twitter at N-P-A-N-N.
1: And you can follow me on Twitter as well at Archetype, which is a r c h y underscore T-Y-P-E. All
0: right. We'll see you guys next time.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: I joined the choir to sing. They're all competing for some other thing. I joined the choir to sing.
2: I joined the choir to sing. I join the choir to sing.